Welcome to the Disciple Making Leader Podcast, your resource for exploring the world of disciple making and leadership within the church. Discover Jesus' strategy for raising up leaders, growing the church, and multiplying a movement. Let's jump into today's episode and explore the power of a disciple making leader. All right. Well, welcome to the Disciple Making Leader Podcast, episode 10. So jazzed about uh, our time here uh, and about this t- subject we're going to be talking about in our in, in this episode um, as we can continue to unpack this idea of raising up disciple-making leaders. My name is Glenn Underhill. I am the executive director of Disciple First. I also serve as the pastor of spiritual development at Cross Creek Church. And here in studio live with me is one of my good friends, uh, Craig Etheridge. So welcome aboard, Craig Etheridge. Hey, hey, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, man, we're we're getting in it now. We we're, are. We're we're talking about some really important stuff, but man, just super exciting stuff too. Yeah, and I I noticed that you have a, a, a topo chico that you've I been do. sipping on I, over there, I, and, <laughs> and and you haven't even invited me as your friend to have one of them. Now, no, I wouldn't want no. to drink from no. what you're drinking from, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is the uh, this is the twist of lime Topo Chico. If you don't know what that is, you need to Google it. It'll change your life. So yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, I'm just sitting here making, enjoying making my Topo thirsty. Chico beverage while making we talk. Me, <laughs> making me thirsty as we talk right now. So, <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's talk about this disciple uh, this disciple making leader piece. You know, in the last several episodes, again, I encourage you to go back and, and yeah. listen to all of these. I think they'll be very helpful for you. You can also order the book. A lot of this is coming right out of the book that you just recently wrote called the Disciple Making mm-hmm. Leader book, which can be ordered on our website, disciplefirst.com, or you can even order it off of Amazon as well. Um, so I, I just, um, I, just some really good stuff, but it, it, it comes down to, um, you know, that, you know, this idea of the big idea of, hey, we're not only to make disciples, but if we're making disciples, then we should have enough leaders, but then we've got to raise up the right kinds of leaders and not what is our model for leadership, but what was really Jesus doing as he was walking them down a spiritual pathway and moving them up in levels of leadership? How did he do that? What was he doing? And and honestly, if you look right at his life, you can see all that happened. So in our last episode, we looked at the leader of leaders. And today we want to take a deeper dive into this idea of a departmental leader. So Craig, let's, uh, let's just kind of jump right in and let's talk about maybe how would you even define a departmental leader? Yeah, that's great, Glenn. And, you know, I think this one is the one that's probably the most intuitive, you know, of all of them in the sense that, uh, you know, this is a departmental leader, somebody that leads a department in the church. Uh, so if you think of youth pastor, worship pastor, kids pastor, um, adult pastor, um Worship, you know, anybody like that that's running a whole department, that that is what we're talking about, a departmental leader. Let me give you just kind of a a basic definition. A departmental leader or departmental leaders are often full-time or part-time pastors whose primary purpose is to lead an entire department of the church toward growth and success, giving direction to all leaders of leaders, team leaders, and volunteers underneath them. So that's... That's really what a, a, a departmental leader is. And so every church has got some level of departmental leaders, you know, underneath them. Even church plant. You know, when we start a church plant, we'll start with a small team. 
many of them are overseeing various departments within the church, even at, at, as they're just getting started. Yeah, and, and this is you know when, <laughs> when you read that definition, that I mean that you can feel a little bit of the weight of of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know that there, there carries some significant some significant things about what this person is trying to you know to really work on and develop and and, and in order to move the cause the world's greatest cause moving forward of making disciples and make disciples in the local church so you know this this has a a, a, a lot of importance and yes. I and I think so as we think about this uh, and like we've done for each of these as we've been talking about you know the the the, the the moving them up the, the the leadership pipeline I think it's important for us to look at what are some of the distinctives what are some of the things that kind of set this person apart mm-hmm. because it's in these distinctives that we begin to think about some of the skills that they're going to need uh, and some of the things that they're going to need in that ministry tool belt to help them be successful as a department leader absolutely yeah so absolutely. let's take this first one the first one really is that they're to be a a mature disciple maker who leads out of the overflow of the relationship with Jesus. Now, again, that may sound, you know, like, duh, but I, I, we can't overstate that one, can we? No, we we can't. And we can't assume it, you know, because how many times have we seen somebody, you know, because they're just charismatic, they're gifted, you know, that people like them, you know, they've got all kinds of natural talent that they may quickly rise up to be a department leader and everyone loves them, but they're really not, uh, they haven't gone down the pathway. You know, they haven't really developed as a disciple. They're not living out of the overflow. They're really leading out of the overflow of their own talent. And skill, yes. And their own skill level, but not out of the, of the overflow or really, you know, making disciples. And uh, and so consequently, eventually that, that shows up. Yeah. One of the things I want to highlight here, and I think this is super important, that word mature, there to be a mature disciple. Jesus did not equate spiritual maturity with knowledge. Come on. He equated it with spiritual fruitfulness. Wait a minute. We're, right record scratch. Let's uh let's go let's go back. <laughs> that 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 is worth repeating right there. Yeah. That, say that say that one more time. All right. So Jesus didn't and and maybe you, you if you want to push back on it, but I, I just think it's important no, to I'm, circle I'm, and highlight this. Dude, because, I'm standing up dancing right now. I think sometimes we have a tendency to put to give someone a job because maybe as a departmental person, I'll bring them on staff full time, part time, because they um, they they can talk and have a lot of knowledge about spiritual things, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have unfortunately in the church equated spiritual maturity to knowledge yes. only. Yes, but Jesus equated spiritual maturity uh-huh. to spiritual fruitfulness. That's right. And so you're wanting to put people in that role of a department leader that is proven to be a multiplier. To bear spiritual fruit. I'm not talking about like uh, love, joys, peace, patient, kindness, good. I mean, Galatians. Uh, that, of course, we want that. But we're also talking about the fruitfulness of leading people to Christ, um, discipling other people, multiplying their lives by investing their lives in others. That should be um, that should be proven in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this next one is that they are to think about ministry as a whole, not just. Uh, one team or an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that kind of somewhat speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, th- this departmental leader is really looking at it from the 30,000 foot level. Uh, the holistic 
you know, area of the entire department and making sure that uh, it, it, it really um, – it, it's all functioning together to accomplish that greater good mm. and not just about this individual or about this this uh, team or such but they have they they have the, uh, the 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 thought of the whole group as a whole in mind when they're thinking through it and, yep. and I want to say this I think this is sometimes easy for leaders to get stuck when they're making decisions mm. because sometimes they want to make a decision for what is the, the <laughs> they think about the individual team leader or they think about the mm-hmm. ministry leader and this oh, person's going to give me grief and I, upset right yeah <laughs> i'm going to lose this person if i make this decision and we're kind of paralyzed paralyzed at making a decision what's best for the for the department as right. a whole right yep so just really important that mm-hmm. um they 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 be able to do that well uh I, I think another distinctive is that they are a team player and they cooperate well with other <laughs> ministry leaders uh, so that the whole church can move forward. Yeah. And I think you've probably seen some, you know, we've even served not necessarily on the staff we're serving on right now, but we've served in other staffs where yes, we together have. that were this, I mean, we had ministry leaders, departmental leaders sabotaging each other. Yes, no doubt. And, it, and because they're, they're kind of getting into competitive roles and, well, I deserve this and I need that. And they're, they're just not thinking about the, the success, the win of the whole church. They're just kind of trying to put skins on the wall, so to speak, of their own department, but to the detriment of somebody else. And that eventually um, devolves into a lot of conflict on the staff team and a lack of unity. And it's just it's just really um, – really ugly and so we you just have to have make sure hey guys we're all on the same team right you're leading a team but you're also on a team yep and you're on the this this department team and you there needs to be loyalty there and i i think that this is where the intentional siloing can happen mm-hmm. that can, yeah. can happen i think this next distinctive is where kind of the unintentional piece can mm-hmm. come from but i think this one i think sometimes uh, a, a, a departmental leader, out of just out of the 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 drive that they may have, they they are intentionally creating their department to be siloed off from from it, yeah. the greater good of the all. Yeah, and by the way, I want to say, Glenn, just to that, you know, I I understand that you know, man, I'm fired about student ministry. I believe student ministry is the most important ministry in the church. You know, I, and you know, and I, I, you want somebody that's going to beat the table right. for for their department, right? And so, but consequently, you have everybody beating the table for their their particular department. Then you're right. We can easily silo off, and so mine is the only one that matters. And we have to constantly be reminding them we're all on the same team, right? Yeah, and, and things that I'm doing as a team or saying about others on the team mm-hmm. impact. Yes. And, and we're not, you know, we're not all looking towards ourselves. We're really thinking about the greater cause and mission mm-hmm. that's in front of us. Yep. This next one is they have, they have to be able to build and manage their their team, yep. right? Yep. And I, this goes from hiring to to maybe potentially having to let someone go, but the development of those underneath them um and, and again, this is where this this where I said this other one could the one we just talked about could be an intentional. This can be unintentional if you're not building and managing your team underneath you really well. And they got to own that. They have to own their team. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll have people on their team that do things they shouldn't do and they want to excuse it or minimize it or look the other way or want you to handle it, you know, and no, no, this is on your team. You have to, you have to deal with your own uh, and making the right hires. And when you make a bad hire, then you just go, man, I I, I did that wrong. And we learn from it. We move on, you know, but um, building and managing a strong team is really important skill needed at the departmental level. Yeah. Especially when you think about they're working, going to be working directly, hopefully, as they're building a layer of department mm-hmm. or of leaders of leaders, mm-hmm. making sure they're getting those right. Can they raise those kind of people up and then set them to the task that they're called to do, but then hold them accountable and mm-hmm. and in 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 many different facets as they're moving the organization forward. Yeah, absolutely. The next one is they 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 have to be able to manage limited resources. What do you, what do you, what do we mean there when we say that? <laughs> well, there's only so much money that's coming in, right? I mean, let's say limited resources is a budget, right? So we, you know, when you're an organizational leader, you're looking at the total budget of the church and what's coming in week to week, and we have to manage that. And and so that impacts a department leader if you're running under budget. What, what are you going to have to cut? You know, how are you going to make adjustments to live within those limited resources? Also, limited resources are, are volunteers. You know, sometimes people, you would have some department leaders stealing volunteers from others and so on. And, and, and of course, sometimes that's obviously not malicious, but sometimes it, it's in indifference. Like, I don't really care. I need them, you know, and that could create just a conflict on a team. So I think the church is always dealing with some level of limited resources, whether they're rooms, you know, in the building or, you know, whatever you need. And so the these these department leaders have to learn to cooperate as a team together for the overall good of the organization and not siloing and being competitive and uh, even demanding of little re- limited resources uh, at the expense of another departmental leader. I remember early in my ministry, I was in, as I was in student ministry, um, I invited a volunteer to come on our team. And man, they would have made a killer youth, self, like a I'm like a team leader. And I was yeah. even knowing, thinking, man, they're they're probably going to have some some leader of leaders abilities. Um. But I didn't stop to talk to our kids pastor, and they were working in the kids ministry team. And I had happened to become good friends with this couple, and they had just been expressing, "Hey, that man, we've thought often about maybe you know." And I was like, "Oh, they're," and I'm like, "But <laughs> jump on but it." <laughs> the kids pastor called me to the to her office and and had some some pretty strong words. And as I look back on that experience. I, you know, as I even uh, to this day, I, I've thought, you know, that is something I was never taught to do, but I should have probably thought about going, even though, hey, we're all, we're all in it together. It would have been appropriate right. for me to go to that, to that other ministry leader and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I know, because what I didn't know is the importance of that couple was playing a pivotal role at a, at a crucial spot in the, in the kids ministry area. And I, and I, I, I blew it yeah. really bad. So, you know, I just think that's good. Next Great one example. is uh, taking some initiative. There, there has to be a willingness that, you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, we, we talk about this a lot. It's always easier. I would rather have someone I'm having to say, whoa, boy, slow down. Um, 
rather than having to kind of constantly come alongside them and kind of give them a, a you know, a, 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 sometimes a push along the way. In, in Texas, we say, we'd rather say woe than giddy up. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, and if you're having to always just ride them, say, come on, come on, come on, you know. Uh, you know, they're, then they're not really fulfilling their role. You know, they should be driving that ministry forward, of course, under the direction of the organizational leader. Hey, this is the big picture. This is where we're going. Here are the banks of the river. But man, they should be they should be working. And I'm going to ask you this. Do I, I, this is not everybody has this in their, in, mm-hmm. in their, in their skill set or even, or even in their, DNA. I mean, it. There are people. It's a struggle, mm-hmm. and this is where we talk about as you're moving up the pipeline. Not only are you thinking, you know, but we got to be constantly saying, are do people have the gifting and the call, and which we'll get to is the next one, right? But this, I think, there is somewhat a part of this that this just isn't for everybody because some of these in this list, not everybody is that doesn't, and that's not a bad thing. No, right? it's not. It's not, but I think when you think about putting people in a spot, you need to look at all these. And I would encourage you to go to the book and look at these in more detail. There's a whole lot more content in the book. But before you hire somebody in a departmental role, before you pull the trigger on that that youth pastor, that worship pastor, whoever the case is, you really should do some work. And I think many times you know, over the years, I've just done this long enough that I've, I've put people in roles that really weren't weren't gifted for that. And and I'm not doing them any favors. I'm not doing myself any favors because it just leads to a lot of frustration. And there are some, Glenn, you know, in our church, we do some, uh, um, we do some uh, evaluations of a, of a person's uh, personality and kind of what their fit is and how they're wired. Are they fast paced or not? And how they work in teams. And we, we try to do that to, to get a handle on what kind of person is here. Cause we don't want to put them in something that, that will be a struggle for them. But there are some that are more than others, right? And there's some that have more drive than others. And sometimes they have drive in other things than what you want them to have drive in. And so I think you just have to have honest communication with these department leaders on the front end. Here's what's expected. And this is what you're going to be held accountable for. And so that there's no big surprise. Uh, A lot of times when we recruit a departmental leader, we'll try to make it sound really good and we really want them to take it. And we're like, oh man, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. And we don't really say, this is what we're going to expect from you. And so then they're shocked when, you know, they're not meeting expectation. And uh, one of the best things I did on, on a hire that we had uh, about a year ago is um, we had, you know, in our church, we have, we have some team values. And, Mm -hmm. and so I was bringing them onto the team and I said, I said, now I want to walk through each one of these again. And I want to show you what it looks like to, to own this value and what it looks like to not own this value. And I went through every one of them. Here's what it looks like to do this well. Here's what it looks like when you do this poorly. And here's an example of how that's happened and how that went sideways. And I went through each one of them and said, are you clear on that? Is there any confusion? Because this is really how it works here. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, we're good. And so I finished the conversation. He calls me back in about 30 minutes. And he said, I really want to thank you for doing that. He said, I really do feel like I clearly understand what's expected. Mm. And he's come on the team and just done great, you know? And, and, uh, 
But I think just that sometimes we just want people to take the job that we don't really clearly outline. We're going to expect you to show initiative. What does it mean to not show initiative? What does that look like? What does it mean to show an initiative? How do I perceive that? You know, the, any of these things we're just mentioning, I think you have to draw these bright lines so that they know exactly what you mean by that. Because just because what you, just because you say the words doesn't mean they fully understand what you yep. think. Well, that how is. you're defining that, right? Exactly. And that clarity and that those expectations, yep. especially at a departmental leader, yeah, because it it is so a critical. And, and by the way, if a departmental departmental leader blows out, you know, it does incredible damage to the whole church. It does. You know, it it really can cause a lot of damage when you elevate the wrong person there. And then this last one is a call to ministry. And again, this can be one of those, well, this sounds pretty obvious, Captain Obvious. Right, sure. Right. Um, but I, I I think that sometimes uh, that, you know, we've got to make it very clear. Do you have a specific call to ministry? Yeah. Uh, and can you state that and articulate that for us and help it? And, and, and if you've been in a long-term relationship with someone i think you know i when we have brought guys and and gals from our church onto our team yep. i mean that's a little bit different because we've been walking with them and that's we've right. been having those 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 um conversations yes. and we know that the but if you're bringing someone from the outside especially mm-hmm. I, I always think it's important to understand do they have a a a call to ministry yeah. so i think and i and i think jesus as he was selecting these twelve to be the leaders of the movement, he was he knew very clearly that they had a a, a calling on them yep. um, to to really lead the church well, yeah, and 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 to, and to give leadership to the church. You know, I'm I'm thinking about a guy that joined our team and super. Charismatic, you know, just personality wise, everyone loves him. He's hip, he's cool, he's fun, he's got all this great skill, zipped up the the pipeline in so many ways. And then, man, after just less than a year, he said, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going to work at a business in town. And we're like, Whoa, what, what, you know, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, we're, I thought you said you, oh, we loved it. Yeah, but this other opportunity was, you know, better. And, and we start having conversation about call to ministry, and well, well, this isn't a ministry role what you're taking, and and just as we kind of peeled the onion back, he really came to the point of saying, you know what, I really think that I just kind of moved up the pipeline in these other churches because I they needed me, and I was willing to do it, and loved to do it, and I love Jesus, and I don't know that I ever really have had a call to ministry. And I thought, you know, how sad that we didn't pick up on that earlier. We kind of, he said, oh, yeah, I'm called. And then we kind of moved on. We didn't really drill down. And I think to your point, man, don't rush through these things. I think you really do need to take the time to really drill down. And is that really articulate? What does that mean for them? Uh, Because that's what will sustain them when times get hard. Yeah. Well, I I think uh, as we're talking about this departmental leader, um, I'd love to give a little bonus little segment here. Um, and I know you talk in great deal depth and deal, uh, dealing with these, um, this, you know, the seven deadly sins of a departmental leader. But I, I, I thought you might just kind of as a quick teaser. Yeah. 
kind of run through these because I think when 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 ministry leaders hear these, they're going to go, oh, and I think you know, again, ministry leader, don't forget you. Can read these in greater detail in the books, but yeah. I think it'd be good just to tease it out a little bit as to what are these seven deadly sins that you talk about uh, in disciple-making leader for you know, a department leader? As I'm as I'm looking at these, a lot of these we've already talked about, but uh, I just go on ahead to kind of hit them uh, high point. You know, one of, the, one of the sins is just leading only out of your skill and not out of the Spirit's empowerment, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can so do that. You know, I mean, when you've got a lot of pressure on you, you've got a lot of deadlines you have to meet. I mean, I talked to one guy who's just stepped off a church staff and he goes, man, I just felt like it was all about performance and it wasn't just about really walking with God and investing in people and raising up leaders. And some ministry environments are really super heavy performance oriented. And But to do that only without exclusively leading out of the Holy Spirit and just abiding in Christ, probably one of the number one deadly sins, right? Just not abiding in the Lord, leading in your flesh. Um, that That's going to crater. Um, very, very quickly. Uh, another one is just acting like a leader of leaders. <laughs> and that was kind of back to this dipping down. You know, we kind of use that term dipping down. But that means, you know, when I'm a I'm a departmental leader and I'm supposed to have these leaders of leaders underneath me, but I keep dipping down to their level and doing that work of managing teams and team leaders instead of staying up and thinking big picture, casting vision, where are we going next, uh, charting the course, holding people accountable, uh, measuring our progress. That's the work of a departmental leader. And when you dip down and you're starting to solve problems of team leads, um, you, you're basically stepping out of the role of a departmental leader. And now you're now you're functioning as a leader of leaders and no one is in that role. <laughs> and so and so the organization just stalls because now there's no one really at the helm. Right. You've, it's like I, I've left. A, I'm, I picture. I'm picturing kind of a Jack Sparrow uh, ship, you know, and somebody's at the wheel turning it, and then all of a sudden you leave the wheel and you go down. And you start working on the sails or something. Uh, well, nobody's steering, and that's what you do when you abdicate your role as a departmental leader and you start doing a job that somebody else could do. You know, Glenn, we talk a lot about what is the what are the things that only I can do. And in, in, in my role, your role, we all have roles that we play. What are the unique roles that only I can do? And what are the roles I can empower others to do? And the departmental leader many times gives away his, his function as a departmental leader uh, in, in, in the uh, taking up roles that really other people should be doing. Yeah. And you counsel you counsel this all the time. I mean, this is this is every day for you. Many times you're saying, "Okay, do you really need to be doing that? Can you get somebody else to be doing that so you can stay where you need to be?" You know, one of the greatest questions I ask, and it wasn't this is I learned this right, is when a, now as an organizational leader, you know, sometimes a department leader will come to me and they'll say, "I don't." You know, I'm like, the first question I was always trained to ask was, "What do you think you should do about that?" Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the right thing to do here? Yeah. Because it's getting them to a point of saying, "Hey, you are the decision maker at this at this level, and you need to be lifted up high enough." Instead of having a lot of down 
you know, like I, I call it, you know, heads up time or heads down time. We need as department leaders, they've got to have more heads up time right. than, like down, than, than heads down time. Yeah. Heads up meaning thinking about the bigger picture, long term vision yes. casting and not just down doing the work itself. You know, the department leaders got to kind of work on the ministry, not just doing the work of the ministry. Yep. And um so important. You know, just failure to, to manage a strong team. We already mentioned that, L- mismanaging resources. You know, maybe we've had, you know, somebody that's, you know, mismanaging their money or they're mismanaging um, uh, assets of the church. And, of course, that can be sometimes devastating. Um, so that's certainly a deadly sin. Um you know, lack of initiative, you know, confusion of calling. I think some of those things we mentioned there, but we don't, we'd, uh, we just need to be sure that we are, um, as a departmental leader, you're really important. You're really important. And you, and you've got to step up into that role and build teams underneath you and not just make it just about you, but it's about really how you're building teams around you, celebrating the success of others. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it, multiplying your life and the lives of others. I was talking with a guy last night, and uh, he's in a different different field. But he uh, he's a he's an auctioneer. He's kind of coming to the end of his you know run career wise, and he has a younger auctioneer that he's been helping, and he's like co- coaching him up on how to how to do the chant, how to do the numbers, you know, how to navigate through a crowd, how to raise sales, you know, all this kind of all the techniques you need to learn, and. Uh, and he's been coaching this guy up. He'll listen to him chant, and he'll give him some input, and he'll get you know just hear some tips on how to do it. And this younger auctioneer looked at me and goes, "Why are you doing this? Why why are you helping me? You know what do you do? You you you're trying to get like a part of the sales of what I'm doing? But he goes, no. He goes, I don't want any, I don't want any of your money. He just said, you know, there were people that helped me get where where I was in my career, and I take a lot of. Uh, joy in helping young guys that I see that are really good and have talent just step into their role. And uh, we we had a long conversation about that. And and I think that's a mindset of a departmental leader is not that it's just about me. I'm the personality that drives it. And it can be at times. You know, if you're some, a lot of departmental leaders are on the platform, you know, they get a lot of the accolades, you know, they have influence with people. Um, but for them to take joy in finding those people around them that they can raise up, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, Glenn, at the end of the day, that's what really brings a lot of joy in it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like it, liken it to a, what I call the Superman syndrome. Mm. You know, a department leader can have can oftentimes have Superman syndrome, right? They they kind of fly in with their their cape and pull their their or they're <laughs> kind of doing their thing and they pull off their you know their shirt and it's got the Superman underneath it you know with the big S on there as they walk into the hospital or as they do this or they do and and again those things are are important things but um, I think that uh, that a, a departmental leader who's driving at sup- the Superman mentality is really misunderstanding who God would want them to be in that, in that arena, yeah. because it's really, it, it is, it is a, it's, it, it is a much different, it is a, a servant leader who leads at a very high level, but, but it really isn't it, it working to empower others to do the work of ministry yeah. and gets the, it really, gets the joy of watching others 
do wonderful things for the kingdom of God and sit back and go, wow, I've gotten to play just a small piece in, in helping to empower them mm-hmm. to do the work of ministry and to utilize the gifts and the skills that God's given them to ignite a movement of multiplying disciples. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Ego can get in the way. You know, I think you have to be really careful as a department leader not to allow your ego and your uh, it, it to become about you as a person. Yeah, so speaking of that, I think that's a lot of when we think about this idea now, how did Jesus go about developing mm-hmm. these departmental uh, leaders? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there are some really clear things. So w- what was the what's the first thing you see Jesus doing as he's developing these these de- departmental leaders? Yeah, as you kind of look at, at Jesus's um, timeline, um, as he's getting closer and closer to his death and resurrection, he is he's focusing more on these higher levels of leadership. And uh, in Luke 9, one of the things that he does is he really calls them to complete devotion, even at the face of suffering, sacrifice, and self-denial, mm. which is the opposite of ego, right? right? And of course, they're going, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? You know, who's going to, who's going to, and we're going to get to that one in the next, next, the next one, but but this idea of denying yourself and embracing the fact that sometimes ministry is hard. Sometimes in these in, in these departmental leaders, they 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 encounter the dip, most difficult problems that surface up to their level, and sometimes they feel misunderstood, and sometimes not like they they were mistreated. You know, they got hurt in one church, and now they're they're in your church, and they're still trying to heal from that. And I mean, that's just very common. Um, especially people that come in from you know, the outside. And and I just think just embracing the fact that, you know what, part of ministry is recognizing that, that there is suffering and there's sacrifice and there's self-denial and that that's, uh, I'm not a prima donna this to be served, you know, I'm to serve others. Right. And uh, just a reminder of that, I think is always good, you yeah. know, and um Saying, hey, that's part of the calling. That's why you that's why you gotta have that calling piece, right? Exactly. Uh, because we're always if you don't have the calling, then you'll quit, you know. Uh, and I remember when I was was feeling a call to ministry, you know, uh, the the wise pastor told me, he said, Craig, you know, you need to hear this calling from God mm. because there's gonna be a time when you're gonna want to quit. Yeah. And God will remind you of this calling. And there were many times, and uh, still I'm sure will be at times you're thinking, well, I could do something else. You I, I know? think well, this makes me laugh because when we were training this not long ago, I said to a group of, of leaders who we were doing some coaching with, I said, I, I have my letter of resignation <laughs> <laughs> sitting sometimes in my inbox because it's, you know, it's that constant reminder of me going – yeah, yep, this week was terrible, but you know what? God's got it. He's firmly in control. But yes. I mean, it was funny. I was trying to yeah. tell them, you know, hey, it, it, it does happen at times where yeah. you want to just say, I think I'd be better off just selling cars. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, but there is this, you go back to that yeah. calling and you yeah. go, yeah, I remember what God's called me that's to. Right. And, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really good. I, I think another, you, you know, you talk about devotion and, 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 and in the face of suffering and sacrifice and self-denial. He he also emphasized that true greatness isn't a position in the organization, but it really is about this idea of servanthood, yeah. serving others. Yeah. That's so important, 
right? Because a lot of times we get to thinking, man, especially at the departmental leader level, that uh, you know, man, it's, I got to have this position, I got to have this corner office, I, I deserve to have these accolades. Because that's kind of the secular mentality, right? Mm-hmm. When you work up in the organization, you're going to get more and more of all these things. That's how you earn the right, and they and they they owe it to me. And that's that's the inverted nature of Jesus's leadership uh, culture. It's not I'm ascending up to greater levels of influence. I'm descending down in servanthood. Mm-hmm. And and department leaders just need to be reminded that you and I are just servants. Yep. You know, we're at the bottom of the pyramid holding people up, not the top of the pyramid. Yeah, I think about John Maxwell used to always say, you know, you never want to lead out of position. Yeah. It, I mean, in the beginning, you probably sometimes have yeah. to lead out of position, but... I think about Jesus, yeah. you know, he was constantly, this was this constant cycle because, hey, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. Right. They were always questioning where he was born. Right. Then the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know, it was just this constant, you know, hey, you're you're not from, you know, because if you were from the Galilee and not from Jerusalem, there, there was like opposite sides of the track. So he right. even the fact that he came from Galilee had he had a you know another stigma against him and then yep. you know the fact that he you know his 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 upbringing his you know that he came from poverty and virtually nothing. I mean so when you think about he had no status. He had no mm-hmm. he he wasn't and and here are all these religious leaders of Jesus day trying to get to a certain level of position. If I can just get to the you know, the Sanhedrin, or if I can yeah. just get to yeah, right. the, the council where all the Pharisees of Pharisees are, I, I will have arrived. But again, some of that was all based on prominence of your family and sure. money and all of yeah. the things that come along with that. But but Jesus didn't, he, he didn't, he said, listen, that's, that's not where it's at. Yeah. It, it really is about serving. And he's washing the disciples' feet. Yeah. yeah. You know, think about Philippians 2, you know, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And uh, what a powerful example he is to us that it's really not about climbing up the ladder of, of, of success. It's really about descending in true greatness is descending into greater levels of service to others. And departmental leaders just need to be reminded of that. And then the, the third one is Jesus understood the necessity and the power of forgiveness. And, you know, Matthew 18, he, mm. it's really the one place he, he gives a clear account of, you know, this idea of being willing to forgive and what to do uh, in order to make things right and to reconcile. And then this last one is that Jesus instilled in them a vision for multiplication. You know, mm. Luke 10, I love that. You know, that whole, that whole passage is good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, you know this this idea of giving them they have they have now adopted it is in their DNA that multiplication is how you do ministry. Yeah, and you know you oversee a lot of departmental leaders right now, and over the years as we've worked with departmental leaders, it's just important for them to be reminded that the win is not just how many you had at the event. Mm-hmm. You know that we tend to we tend to say that's the win. The real win is how are we multiplying leaders around us, and how are we multiplying the ministry. And that's the win. That's the scoreboard because that's what Jesus called us to do. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, again, Craig, thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit today. And and as we kind of conclude this uh, this podcast on the uh, departmental leader, um, 
We want to just say thank you to you that are out there listening. We hope that this has been helpful uh, on our Disciple Making Leader podcast. Again, we encourage you to go to our website, disciplefirst.com. We can help in many ways. We really are an organization really built on training, coaching, and and resourcing if we can be of any help. Or you can even go online there to our website or to Amazon and order the book, The Disciple Making Leader. I'd love to... Um, love for you to to get that book. We think it'll be very helpful for you. So, so again, Craig, thanks for being with me. Thank you, audience, for being here, and uh, it's been great to be with you. And we'll we've got one more podcast coming up um, where we're going to be uh, this tenth one on this side, making leader, really talking about this idea of um, an organizational leader. And uh, this is a, a heavy one because it it does it is a is an important role. Uh, very much in in the life of the church. So, again, thanks, Craig, and uh, we'll we'll uh, look forward to you know being with you guys at our our next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Disciple Making Leader Podcast, brought to you by Disciple First. We hope today's episode has been both helpful and challenging in your journey to becoming a disciple making leader. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you hear the next episode. And if you have a moment, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, keep making Jesus the model for your life and ministry.